Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, who loves us more than we can ask for or begin to imagine, may your Holy Spirit, present here in this place, fill my lips with the words that you want spoken, and the ears of those who listen with the words they need heard. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Before we can talk about today's gospel reading from the 21st chapter of John, we need to step back for a moment and look at chapter 20. More specifically, we need to go back to Easter Sunday morning. We heard the story of Mary Magdalene on that very first Easter day while it was still dark, going down to the tomb and finding the tomb empty and the body not there, and she was confused. And so she ran off to go get Simon Peter and the beloved disciple. And at this point, John includes the strangest detail that I just can't get out of my mind. It says that Simon Peter and the beloved disciple had a foot race. Now, we live in Tracktown, USA. It's Marathon Sunday, right? So I'm sure we can all understand why they'd want to have a foot race in that moment. Why not? But why include the detail in the telling of the story all those years later? Not only that, but there's a lot of details about this foot race. We learn that um, the beloved disciple wins the race. He gets there first. But when he gets there, he just kind of peeks in the tomb and then waits. And then along comes Peter lagging behind. And finally, he gets there. And he goes into the tomb. And he looks down. And he sees the cloths. And he comes on out. And then the beloved disciple goes in. And he looks. And he's able to confirm what Peter saw. And then they leave. Now, this competition these two men uh, seem to have shows up again in today's gospel reading. Here we are, now the third time Jesus shows up to the disciples. And uh, they are back at work. They're out fishing on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. And they're not being very successful. They don't catch any fish. And Jesus shows up to them from the shore in that moment. And the beloved disciple is the first one of all the disciples to figure out that this is Jesus. He wins the race of recognition, as it were. But not to be outdone, Peter decides to win the next race. He puts some clothes on because he was naked. Another odd detail, but we're not going to go there right now. And he jumps in the sea. And I guess we're now going to start the next leg of a triathlon because he swims to shore. And he wins the race to be the first person to get to and interact with Jesus there on the shore. And the competition between these two men doesn't end here. We are almost at the end of the gospel with today's reading, but there are a few verses left. And right after Jesus and Peter have this conversation, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. And then Jesus goes on to tell Peter about how he's going to die. Right? And that's the end of our gospel reading. The very next little bit is that Peter turns and he looks at the beloved disciple. And then the narrator goes on to tell us details about who the beloved disciple is and why he's so important. And then Peter turns back to Jesus and says, and what about him? There's a competition there, right? 
And Jesus, Jesus, goodness gracious, he must be rather exasperated by this point. He just kind of looks at Peter and says, who cares? Who cares? Who cares if he's going to live longer than you? That's more precisely what Jesus says. And then Jesus says, follow me. Come on, focus here. Stop worrying about that petty little competition the two of you seem to have. Now, these two uh, disciples, Peter and the beloved disciple, for the early church fathers and mothers and their writings on this, they say that uh, Peter and the beloved disciple are two kind of models or exemplars of the faith, two ways of being faithful followers of Jesus. And for them, the beloved disciple was representative of the contemplative life. First is maybe a little bit slower, you know, doesn't wreck, doesn't jump in the water at first, right? Takes his time to get back to shore. But is the first one to recognize Jesus, right? He's very attuned to God's presence here in this moment. John is the one who leans on Jesus, the one who is very close to Jesus in the gospel. And that is kind of the life of prayer. And then Peter is the fervent one, they said. He is the one of action, right? The one who's going to jump in the water and swim to shore to get there as fast as he can. The one who was told by Jesus to go do things, go feed my sheep. And the one, as a result, who's going to die earlier because <laughs> he gets in a little bit of trouble with all that action that he is doing. And what they said was these two models are not meant to be in competition with one another. It is not that one is better than the other. They're not. They are both important. Just like Jesus saying, who cares, right? It doesn't matter which of these is better. They're both important. That life of prayer, attuning your life to God's presence with you, that is critically important. And so is that life of action. Going into the world and embodying God's message of love and how you treat other people. To serve as Christ served. Both of these are critically important. And so in a sense, this gospel reading is meant to be a mirror to hold up before your life and to say, which one of these are you more like? For some of us are a little bit more in that prayerful, contemplative sense, right? And some of us maybe are a little bit more action-oriented and out there doing things. But they're both critically important. So you hold that mirror up, you say, which one am I more like? And in what ways do I need to deepen the parts of me that aren't there? If I'm more like the beloved disciple, how should I be maybe a little bit more action-oriented like Peter? If I'm more like Peter, how can I be a little more action-oriented like the beloved disciple. Now, this reading points to two ways of embodying both of these, uh, these realities, these models, these ways of following Jesus. The first is in the Eucharist. It's very strange. You think, well, this is about fish and bread. How's that about the Eucharist? For the early church, if you look at like, images of the early church, how they image, imagined the Eucharist, their images with bread and wine, there's also images with bread and fish. They understood bread and fish to be Eucharistic also, which I'm grateful we're not serving salmon today with the Eucharist, but you know, potentially there were Eucharists that included fish. 
because we have these images that suggest something like that. So uh, they understood this as being a Eucharistic meal that Jesus was offering them. And part of that life of prayer, that contemplative way of following Jesus, is about the Eucharist, about finding the presence of God in this bread. Not to say God's only contained in this bread, right? But in a sense to practice seeing the presence of God here so that when we go out into the world, we go back to our lives, we start tuning our lives to God's presence around us all of the time. But this is a particular moment when we recognize it in the sacrament. The other way, of course, is that nice long conversation Jesus has with Peter where he says, feed my sheep, tend my flock, Go do things, actions of love in this world. In both of these, in both that being and that doing, in contemplation and in action, both of these are drawing us closer to Christ. Christ that's always present with us, Christ we find in the Eucharist, Christ we find in the sacraments, Christ we find in our lives. But then also in that action, the Christ we find in our neighbor. Just as Jesus taught us in Matthew 25, I was hungry, you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me drink. Whenever you did the least of these, you did it to me. We find Christ in others, in their need. And when we encounter them and we serve them, we are serving Christ. These aren't opposites, right? These are complementary things that as we deepen that life of prayer and as we deepen that life of action, we are supporting the other. That action should lead us into prayer and the prayer should lead us into action. That we, as we engage in these practices of faith, will want to engage in more practices of faith. That we will want to draw closer to God in prayer and draw closer to God in action. That might be in you know, coming to church, in engaging in daily prayer practices on this side. But on this side, it may be about serving at the Saturday breakfast or taking the bottles and cans to the recycling so that we can you know, help pay for more huts to get people off of the street. There are different ways that we are embodying these life of prayer and of action. And so, my friends, this week, I ask of you, I invite you, I encourage you to take some time with the mirror of this gospel reading. Hold it up to your life and say, where am I? Who am I? And how can I deepen my faith through that contemplativeness or through that action, both of which are rooted and grounded in love. Amen.